Welcome to the Mind Life Me podcast, the place where we can talk about how we can be happier, healthier humans and deal with the day-to-day messiness of life. I'm your host, Dr. Emily Amos. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. What I want to talk about today is not necessarily my own burnout, but just the concept of burnout in general. I'm approaching, well, I'm just over two and a half years since I actually burnt myself out in my job as a general practitioner. And in the months after I burnt myself out, it took me a really long time to accept that that's what was going on for me. And even in the time since then, it's been quite difficult to tease out for myself what was caused by work, what was actually burnout and what might have been a predisposed personality to perhaps anxiousness. (laughs) And I think that's probably a a concept that a lot of people struggle to make sense of because when you get to the point that I was at and feel as burnt out as I was, it's very pervasive in the rest of your life. So it may feel very strong at work, but it does start to spill over into the rest of your life and perhaps you're feeling depressed or anxious or overwhelmed, not sleeping. You're getting other symptoms outside of work. But essentially when we're talking about the definition of burnout, we are talking about um, poorly managed workplace stress. And although there's a rise in the definition being extended to parenting and, and all sorts of other demands, there's still this sort of gray area where there's people who say, yep, you can definitely burn out as a parent or other people who say, no, you can only do it in paid work within a large organizational structure where you don't have control and there's unclear demands and all these other sort of criteria that should be met. So putting all that aside, I have my own sort of personal definition of burnout and I just feel that it is when the demands upon you outstrip your capabilities at that point in time. And I think it's really important to emphasize this idea of at that point in time because our capabilities are dynamic and obviously we can have high stress jobs, but there might be a lot going on behind the scenes that we might be dealing with sick family members, we might have young children who aren't sleeping, we might have all sorts of other things going on behind the scenes that then impact our ability to perform and to handle the stress and the demands of whatever our occupation is. And I do believe that the burnout should apply to parenting as well because being a parent is an occupation, you know, just because there's some of us who are balancing being a parent with a paid job doesn't mean that being a parent is any less of a job. So I, for one, definitely think that burnout as a concept can apply to parenting as well as paid work. But coming back to sort of what I feel the definition really needs to take into account, I do feel like we need to acknowledge that this is a dynamic state and Part of learning how to manage and mitigate and prevent burnout, I think, is actually about acknowledging that there's going to be points in our lives where we can't necessarily perform at the level we always have been accustomed to or handle the level of stress that we've been able to in the past. It's not a fixed state. And so 
when you've got people who throw around this idea of resilience and the people who don't burn out are the ones who are resilient, I don't think that's necessarily fair because I think that that assumes that everyone is in the same storm, in the same boat, in the same ocean, dealing with exactly the same things and therefore it's just someone has increased resilient quality resilience qualities that allows them to weather the storm more than others which is clearly not true everyone's dealing with different things behind the scenes that make their ability to deal with other added stressors quite different from the person next to them and this is something that i have struggled with as i've gone through this sort of journey of recovery from burning out because in the beginning I just didn't give myself permission to be struggling any more than anyone else. To all objective measures, I would look at what other people, my colleagues, my friends, my family, what what everyone else was doing, and I'd look and say, well, look, they're coping. Why am I not coping? And that constituted a lot of my thoughts for the first six months after burning out, and that took up a lot of time working with my psychologist to actually accept that I don't need to compare myself to anyone else and their perceived ability to cope. If I'm struggling, I'm struggling. It is what it is and, and I can accept that. But that's, that's been a hard road. So in the years since, and like I said, I'm now two and a half years, just over two and a half years since I actually burnt myself out, I've done a lot of thinking about what I am capable of at any point in time. And it still fluctuates. There's still parts of me that I know if I went back to sitting in a room with a patient in general practice right now, I would tip myself over the edge of my capabilities and I'd actually be des- I'd descend pretty quickly back to where I was two and a half years ago. And yet I can put myself in other situations like I'm doing now, I'm I'm running retreats, I'm teaching mindfulness, I'm actually achieving a lot and working really hard, possibly a lot harder than I have previously because I've got so many things going on at the moment. But this is this is all within my capabilities. And my capabilities are not this sort of distinct level. It's more of this amorphous sort of blob, I guess, where certain things would push me over my capabilities but certain things don't and it's not linear in how that works. So that's where I am. And then I think about where where other people might be in their journey through burnout and why it seems that so many of us are burning out. So what my thoughts are on this is that we're we're creating a name, so we're, we're pathologizing something that so many of us are going through Is this actually because we have lost the ability to dial up and down our stress response and be responsive to our environment and the stressors and the needs of our environment? Is it actually that in this modern world, we all expect ourselves to perform at a certain level and we expect that to be a fixed thing and that we will never actually fall below a level we've previously achieved at. So perhaps it's this unrealistic expectations that the level at which we are able to achieve is constant through time and through our lifetime. When in fact we know that the demands that go on behind the scenes of work and parenting and all the other things in life 
actually fluctuate and they change our ability to cope. So is burnout simply a lack of self-awareness that we do sometimes need to step back from our occupations, our paid work? I don't know. I think that's a con- it's a contentious thing to say out loud. And even as I say it out loud, I wonder how that sort of concept might be received because for a lot of people who are suffering from burnout within the true definition of the word, they're suffering within systems and workplaces and organisations that are inflexible, uncaring, that have unrealistic demands placed upon them. And there's huge institutional factors into why people are burning out. But then how does that apply to the individual? I know that we often get stuck in these situations that seem unlivable in systems and organisations where our jobs are making us extremely unhappy. We can tell that we just can't keep up. We're feeling burnt out. We're feeling overwhelmed. Do we have an option? Some people I I know would say, no, don't have an option. I have to work here. I have to do this work. I need the money. I can't do anything else. But I, I kind of think that part of this process I've been through has made me become a lot more aware of the options that are available to us in even the most untenable of situations. And I was very guilty of not seeing these before. I was the person who said, I can't do anything else. There is no other way. I just have to do this. Everyone else is doing this. This is how much doctors work. If I work less, then that my patients can't see me and I'm following them up after hours. And I had every reason under the sun for why I couldn't work less. And in the end, I had to work less. The The choice was taken away from me. And this, I feel, is part of what constitutes burnout is that in the lead up to it, we can sort of deny any other option, any other choices. And yet when push comes to shove and our body actually physically gives up, all of a sudden all those things that we didn't couldn't see, all those options that we just didn't even entertain the thought of them being there, become apparent. We have to make financial sacrifices. We have to change our work-life balance. We have to do things to try and be more mindful and take care of our bodies and our minds. And these were things that we just couldn't do before we burnt out and yet when we actually get to that point of spontaneous combustion, which I feel like that end point of burning out is, all those things become apparent. And yet in the lead up, as we talk a lot about, I'm feeling burnt out, I'm feeling stressed, and there's a lot of this talk these days, what do we see as the end point? You know, we're talking widely about burnout, about feeling stressed, about chronic stress. But are we talking about solutions or are we just talking about this with the idea again that there's no end point? We just keep dealing with chronic stress, dealing with life as it is and not actually being aware that there is an end point to this. And I've been there. I've done that. It wasn't fun. I would do it again because I've learned so many amazing lessons that have now changed the way I've actually gone on to live my life but I won't deny the pain and the a fallout from having got to that point so now when I'm talking about mindful self-care introducing mindfulness into your life and actually learning how to slow down and rest and actually being able to appreciate the value of rest 
in that sort of completing of the stress cycle, being able to see that our body is designed to respond to stress and demands placed on it, but that it does need time then to complete the cycle, go into a restful state and then get back to baseline before we mount another stress response. When I'm talking about these things now, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm in two minds and I try to be mindful of my privilege because I know that I am able to rest. I've learned this lesson the hard way, but I'm also very mindful of my own sort of learnings that my ability to prioritize rest now is not by accident. It is by design. And the reason it's by design is because I have learned the very hard way the downside and potential complications of not considering where the end point of all this stress takes you. You know, it's all well and good to say I'm feeling burned out, I'm feeling stressed, but then in the next sentence if you say I can't do anything else, well, there's actually there's an end point that you, that you will reach eventually and our stress system is just they're not designed to respond indefinitely. So I guess it's just about finding a balance for me now about how I approach talking about this knowing that, yes, I am very privileged to be able to talk about this and to have come out the other side, to have been supported through burning out and now to be on the road to recovery. But then also being aware of the fact that my recovery has been very carefully curated and now the life that I build as I move forward actually takes that into account and prioritises rest because I know what the alternative is and I've been there I've done that, I've learnt those lessons and I don't actually want to go back there because it was a very painful lesson to learn. So that's where I am. That's what I am talking about now when I'm talking about burnout. I'm talking about my own experience but then I'm also sort of questioning why it is that so many of us are burning out, why it is that we are living in this modern world that predisposes us to burning out and that makes our nervous system just so frazzled, really, which is how I felt. I just felt when I did burn out that I had no capacity to rise to any more of life's challenges. It was like the volume dial on my body, on my stress system, on everything was turned up to the full volume and I just had no capacity to respond to anything that I needed to respond to. And yes, most of that was actually in an occupational sense at my work, uh, in my work as a doctor. But then because I had pushed it for so long, that ended up spilling over into the rest of my life. And I didn't have the capacity to respond to the needs of my children in as I was a mother, as I was a partner, as I was a friend or a daughter, any of those things that actually require us to still be able to respond, I, I had no capacity. There was just nothing left for me to respond with. And so that's, I think, my experience of burnout. And perhaps there's a few of you who might be feeling that you are heading in that direction or you're on the cusp of it, or maybe you've already gone gone past it and it's in the rear vision mirror like it was for me before I realised that's where I was. But in terms of what we can do about it, well, I think having these conversations is important. I think it's all well and good to have a definition about burnout and tell everyone what it is and be very academic about things. But then I also think it's important to normalize the fact that 
there are a lot of us who are probably skirting it either just under the line of fully burning out or getting very close to it for a long time. And that probably doesn't get talked about when we just give it a very clinical definition of it being unresolved workplace stress resulting in feelings of loss of enjoyment in work. Or you know, There's a very clinical definition and I don't think that necessarily takes into account the full lived experience of what I went through. So now <laughs> I practice mindfulness every day. I don't meditate every day, but I do practice mindfulness every day. And that's the informal practice of mindfulness that I've talked a few times about in some of the previous episodes. It's just about bringing a mindful awareness to what you are already doing, things that are going on in your day. You can do them in a more mindful way. And this gives us the ability to reset the way our brain naturally defaults to be. And when we can bring our sort of default state to be more in line with that state of self-compassion, of being kind to ourselves, all of a sudden it actually becomes easier then to then find the time to take care of ourselves, to find the time to practice self-care and not feel guilty for it. So all the barriers that I had to actually taking care of myself before I did burn out had a lot to do with the fact that I was really struggling to actually just be kind to myself to start with. And mastering self-compassion has been the key that unlocks my ability to then practice self-care really authentically in the years now since I burnt myself out. So that's step number one. And when I look at sort of the analytics and the breakdown of this podcast, I can see that 85% of you are women and the vast majority are in the same age group as me. So whether or not you have kids, perhaps you've got younger kids, perhaps you've got older kids. But there's a lot of people listening who are dealing with a lot of the same stressors that I was before I burnt myself out. And to purely say that the only thing about burnout is just because I was working as a doctor, that was what tipped me over the edge. Yes, occupational burnout, it was it was so predominantly focused on my inability to manage the stress of being a doctor. But in the scheme of things, that just then spilled out into the rest of my life and it affected everything else, my ability to be a mum, a wife, a daughter, everything. So I think what term we give this, whether it's burnout, whether it's just, I, I don't know, I think burnout is actually the best term, but I don't think it really pays enough weight to what you and I, what we're all dealing with, if we simply say it's just about our jobs and that's it. Because I really do think it's about more than that. It's about all of the demands that are being placed on us as women, as people in, mo- in, in a modern world, all of these demands that are placed on us, our jobs being a very big part of that because for most of us they do form a huge part of our week, but they are just one part of the demands. And when they outstrip our capabilities at that point in time, we need to learn to be able to say, okay, I've reached my limit. I need to change something. If it is winding back on work a little bit and I'm able to do that, great. If it is getting rid of non-essential commitments in my diary, wonderful. If it is bringing in help, getting a cleanup, getting a meal delivery service, or even just buying the bags of frozen chopped up onions so you don't have to chop up the onions yourself. All these little things add up and it's paying respect to the fact that 
it's kind of death by a thousand paper cuts. To get to this point, it's not been one thing. It's been a million little things that have pushed you to this point of feeling overwhelmed to the point where you're crispy. You're just completely burnt out. And so if you don't have the capacity in your life to make huge global changes and you're not quite at the point like I was where you're forced to make huge global changes, maybe lots of little incremental changes will be enough as long as you're doing it and recognizing that what you're doing is buying a bit of space for yourself to bring that level of your capacity back in line with the level at which your demands are. And to do that, it means that you need to check in with yourself. You need to be able to check in and say, well, what is my capacity? It's all well and good to be able to list all the demands you have. But if you're just listing demands without any recognition at all about what your actual capacity is to rise to meet those demands, you're heading for burnout. So becoming friends with yourself, learning what you're capable of and being kind to yourself when you realize that the demands at the moment are actually more than what you're capable of. of. This happens to all of us. You're only capable of what you're capable of. You can't keep creating capacity where there is none. And that's not to say that you will never have the capacity and certainly living at your growth edge and being able to rise to challenges and grow does involve going past what your capabilities are. But you need to be able to do it mindfully. You need to be able to do it with an awareness that that that's what you're doing, that you are building capacity. And sometimes that's not what we're doing. Sometimes we are simply banging ourselves over the head, wishing there was capacity when we know that at this point in time, it's just beyond us to be able to achieve that. Sometimes rest, winding back your commitments and actually bringing the demands you have on you in line with your capacity is actually the answer rather than continuously wishing that your capacity was different or higher or just hoping that it's going to rise to the challenge. So that's my thoughts on burnout. As you can tell this week, I've got a bit of a cold. So uh, this husky voice will be gone by next week. (laughs) But I hope you've enjoyed my thoughts. And if you are struggling with burnout and it's something that you feel that you're sort of dancing near the edge of, then I'd really encourage you to actually speak out about it. Seek out help, see your GP, see a psychologist, speak to friends and family, because chances are there's a lot more people feeling this way is talking about it and I can certainly tell by looking at the listeners of this podcast that there is a lot of us particularly women who are feeling overwhelmed and just like life feels exhausting sometimes so you're not alone as always I'd love for you to connect with me via my social media the links are in the show notes I've also just released a seven days of mindful self-care free mini course that you can sign up for via my website and I'll put the link to that in the show notes as well so if finding time for self-care is actually been something you've been struggling with this little course is perfectly designed for you it's designed to help you fit your self-care and your mindfulness into your busy life not find extra time just do what you're already doing and and fit your self-care into that if you're interested just sign up via my website and the link will be in the show notes and if I could ask one little favor from you this week it would be if you're enjoying the podcast it'd be wonderful if you could leave me a review it would help the podcast feature more highly and more for more people to find it and hopefully benefit from it as well 
I hope you have an amazing week and I'm really looking forward to catching up with you again next episode.